millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, hey, welcome back to Playboys Extra. We're going to do a Spanish play, and that means I'm joined by Mireya. Say hello. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> Mireya, which play are we doing today? La Fundación, the Foundation. La Fundación de Vallejo. Antonio Bueno Vallejo, yes. There we go. I did not actually know this author or how I haven't read any of his stuff before and in the beginning moments of this I was kind of like okay I don't think this is my thing it's not like romantic but then as it went on I was like oh this is really good I really like this <laughs> he is he is so why did you want to do this one this was one you recommended to me a few months ago yes well I'm read the book for the first time when I was uh, doing my A-levels. It's one of the books that we have to read for the exam to access the university. Right. Oh, so this is part of the university sort of entrance or the finishing school. Yes. We have to read three books. And we had already done two because the other is El Romancero Gitano, Lorca. Ah, right. Brilliant. So you had to do three, right? This was Lorca and Fundación, and what's the third one? Eh, Los Santos Inocentes, de Miguel Delibes. That is a, another recommendation I have for you. Okay, perfect. Soon I will be in the Spanish University, right? Yeah. <laughs> I pass uh, the tests. I don't know where to begin with this play, because... <sighs> It's really strange. Yeah. You have to read twice to understand. Oh, well, I only read it once. So we'll just pause and I'll go read it again. And we'll come back in uh, six hours because it's a very, very long play. It is not. At least it's not for me. Hmm. I would say this is like double the length of a Shakespeare even. I think this is the longest. No, it was difficult to tell because I downloaded a PDF version that was 500 pages, but they weren't full pages. You know, they were just in the PDF. And I thought, well, maybe it's like half of that, but it's still a lot. In my book is 150. Okay, so. So maybe it's not too much. That's still a lot longer than most plays we did the Lorca plays that you could read in one hour you know this was much longer <laughs> but it's worth it actually it's it's really really good so why don't you tell us what is the foundation wow <laughs> <laughs> should be a simple question but it's not 
No, because it's like the, <laughs> you know, the whole book. <laughs> the foundation is an idea. Is the imagination of one of the main characters of the play. Yeah. We can say that. And it's a place um, based on the um, on one of the most important schools in Spain in the 1920s. The ones in which, for example, Lorca studied uh, Bore Vallejo um, Albert Einstein mm. made some meetings there too. So was okay. a really important place in Spain. And it's based on that idea. La Escuela Libre de Enseñanza. So interestingly, the very first thing we see when the play opens is we hear the overture from William Tell, which is brilliant. I don't know why they open with that. And then we see a guy, just a, an unnamed hombre, just asleep or lying around. And then we meet Tomas and Berta. Yes, Tomas tries to talk with these men. That it seems like he is sick. Um, Berta appears with a small mouse. And the mouse is also called Thomas. Yes, it's, she's telling um, Thomas what is the problem he's having. Like he is in a prison, and but he cannot see that. So the mouse represents the idea of the foundation. They talk yes. about mouses in all other pages. I think is in the second part, maybe. It's funny because she called. You know, she's. He seems to not like the mice, but she wants to protect it in a way. But then she's saying it comes from the lab and everything. But she names the mouse Thomas, and he's kind of offended that the mouse is named after him. But the mouse represents him because he's also trapped in the the cage, and it's very cleverly done. Um, but we don't realize at this point that he's in jail. This is still the big, the opening lines. And Berta, I guess, works at the, at the foundation and she's got this um, mouse. It's just an interesting start because in, immediately it foreshadows some of the problems with Thomas. And he says all the, all the mice are the same. And she says, well, they're not because this one's called Thomas. And, you know, we can individualize them. And that's something very important to to people in the prison as well. You know, they just get a number. They're supposed to be almost the same, almost anonymous. But she says, well, this one's called Thomas. Like, we, it's important to keep the individuality, um, which is interesting. And Thomas says, well, instead, you should name him after, um, you know, one of my other friends. Um, I can't remember which one he picks, but he's Tulio. He says, call him Tulio because he's, you know, the most, the least nice of my friends. <laughs> So we, I mean, we think that this is just a guy chatting with his girlfriend and he keeps saying he wants her to meet his friends and maybe they'll arrange that later. If she comes back, he can meet his friends. So I'm thinking like they're in an apartment or something. I've already forgotten about the guy who's lying around. I've totally forgotten about him. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is Thomas in the apartment with Berta. This is lovely. And they're playing with a mouse and the friends are going to come and hang out. This is great. And it is not. (laughs) They're like in this kind of, room they share together in like in a normal school in which you stay um Bert is like a ghost for the rest because when the rest of the the characters the the, the friends arrive to the room Berta disappears 
Yes. We don't really know if Bert is real, I guess. She is real, but not here. Yeah, yeah. So she is a real person, but we don't think that she's really here. But yeah. She's real. At the end of the book, uh, Thomas says that she was talking. He was talking with her um, a couple of days ago in one of these chats. They can have impression. Yeah. So now we meet some of the others. We meet Lino and Tulio and Asel and, and everyone. Those are this little group of, well, we're supposed to think initially, that and Max as well, we're supposed to think they're just a little gang of friends, uh, or at least that's kind of how I read it. But then it's like, well, hold on. Here comes the, the encargado, this kind of guy in charge of the prison, and he has an assistant with him. But in the beginning, we think he's very nice and he's asking, like, ah, is everything okay? And they're asking, like, when their food's coming and he, they complain about the smell or something. And he says, oh, we'll get that scene too very, very quickly. He's very courteous and almost absurdly, like, it's a little bit of absurdism how, how kind of nice and friendly he is because we start. I had an interesting journey reading it. It took me a while to realize they were in prison. But I'm kind of like, okay, so they're not just in this apartment. There's these other guys here as well. It's like a university-style accommodation. They're all studying, like, mathematics, and one's a doctor, and all this kind of stuff. And then little things, and it takes you a little while the first time you read it. If And then you're kind of like, oh, hold on. They're in jail. <laughs> yeah, I remember the, the moment in which I was in the school, reading the book, and it's like, Come on, they're, they're in jail. <laughs> Everything that is happening, I don't know, because I read the book for first time five years ago, and I remember what happened. But don't know, it's, when I was reading, they always saying like, mm, some things that they're weird, the way the rest of the characters uh, react when Thomas talks, Mm, the things that they do and to protect Thomas. Mm. About it, but without talking. It's interesting that they all know that Thomas has this kind of illusion, but they don't. They don't spoil it on him initially, you know, which is very nice. And he likes to look out the curtains and see the countryside. But he's. We'll get it to the to the end of Act One, but he's completely deluded. Like, they think he might, you know, they mentioned that he could be schizophrenic at one point. Like, he's completely deluded about the environment that he's in. Um, and initially, we're seeing it from his perspective. And then I guess we start to open up that perspective later uh, in the second act. So it's really only two acts, right? And there's a complete yes. change. But the first act has, like, two parts. Yeah, the first act split in two. So... Let's see what happens. We talked to Max and the others. Um, a lot of it is just the guys chatting to each other and kind of sometimes they're joking around, but sometimes they're also serious, especially as the play goes on. Um, but sometimes Thomas just wants to talk to them um, because he thinks they're all students. They're all studying. So they're just like having intellectual discussions about things, about about artists and things like this, you know. And it's kind of interesting because once we realize what's happening, it's like, well, they were putting up with him just doing this nonsense for like a long time. Like they could have been a lot meaner to him than, than they were, you know? Well, the encargado is also uh, taking part of this kind of play. Yes. Because he knows that Thomas has some problems and 
he just do the same as the rest, but making fun of the He's making fun a little bit. Yeah, I think I think so. And that's well, maybe that's a sham, but he's you know, he it is he could have been he's in charge, right? He's the jailer essentially. So he could have been really mean and he's not really that bad. So at this point, at the beginning. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, yeah. Well, at the end, we don't know. <laughs> so what's the first thing that happens that's important? Um, when the first act is all the imagination of uh, Thomas, and the second part, I think, is with, in the moment in which you realize what is re- happening in reality. Because Thomas also realized and it's in the moment that Tulio disappears. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we go back a bit, the, he's trying to persuade his friends that Berta came and then they're saying, but didn't the jailer come and did she come before him? Because like, how could she have came? They're all in the same room. They would have seen her come in, you know. But he's kind of like, well, are you sure you didn't confuse it with another day? And then he thinks that he spoke to her on the phone, but... There's a lot of like confusion, and then the camareros come in and, and bring the food, and they always talk about when is dinner. This is one of the clues for me. It was like they're always saying like it's exactly how many minutes till dinner, and I was like, okay, they don't have any choice when dinner is served. That was one of the clues that it was a prison to me. I mean, they're starving, so yeah, they're always hungry, always waiting for the next meal, and counting it's ten minutes away, it's five minutes away, you know. Um, but the people who bring the food are, are referred to as the as waiters, which is interesting, you know, because they're under his um, illusion still. Uh, and I think that's that's very good. But he always says, yeah, we'll get everything fixed straight away. Don't you worry about it. And he kind of plays along, gives him a little smile, plays along, as you say, with the with the illusion. And they sit and they chat about um, Botticelli and Rembrandt and Velazquez and Goya and everything and uh, have these intellectual discussions it's very, it's, it, now that you know what's happening it's actually a little bit funny I suppose when you go back to the beginning I'm just checking if there's anything else important that happens in that first part I suppose not really I mean they're, the first part is setting the scene and it's showing us the the life under his fake illusion. Um, he's convinced that Assel is the best among them and also that he's a doctor. And then it kind of becomes clear later that he is not a doctor. <laughs> and he thinks one of them is an engineer as well, I think, um, and a mathematician. But he's kind of assigned these roles to them. Um, and, but no, Assel is not a doctor, not at all. They're all just prisoners together <laughs> he's not but he tells um he tells thomas that he is in a way to protect him of the situation because he thinks that thomas thomas needs uh, a doctor and also to continue with the idea of the sick man that is not sick he's dead Yes, so this is the big climax in a moment. But we see the guy talk and he complains that he doesn't have food, that they've taken away his bed clothes and he's cold. But it's all obviously, it's part of the illusion or the the delusion uh, of of, uh, Thomas. And towards the end of this first part of the scene, the guy complains of his hunger and he dies. 
And then the jailer comes in and sort of says, like, how long has this guy been dead? And they say something like six days. Six days. And it's really confusing. And I'm like, hold on. We just saw him die. And then you realize, well, Thomas just saw him die. The others didn't say anything. The others kept ignoring him as though he wasn't there. (laughs) Because he was already dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's asking for water and they're just ignoring him, you know. And they say, well, no one else is hearing him. And Thomas is so shocked. And then all of a sudden, the jailer shouts at them and tells them to be quiet. And I'm thinking, hold on. Now we've got a dead person. Now the jailer's not being nice anymore. And like the the tone is quickly changing. And the guy's been dead for t- six days. Like, how is this possible? What What's going on? And your brain is forced to realize, okay, what they have presented to you has not been true. <laughs> we are living the same process as Thomas. That's the idea of the elder. Yeah, it is very, very, very expertly crafted. And his his delusion is so much that he doesn't even realize that the jailers are wearing uniforms or that the cell doors are made out of iron and things. He's seeing like nice wooden doors and wooden tables that they're sitting at and, you know, waiters coming in nicely dressed and you can a shower curtain and and you open up the window and you can you can look at the curtain in the countryside outside and all these details that that aren't real (laughs) he's he's crafted a whole world including the characters of the people in it again being doctors and and all the rest of it Um, and it's 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 beautifully done and at the end of the act then we see the the room transform into what it really is yeah but we are seeing that at the same moment Diana. At the same moment as him, he's because- he's realizing he's kind of not waking up, but he's kind of realizing. Like he doesn't fully realize for a while. Like it still takes him some time to to accept. I think he realizes, but he doesn't accept it for a while, you know. And at the end of Act One, he asks, "Where are we?" and and Asel says, "You already know. Like you know where we are. You just need to think about it and accept it, you know." And they they realize that yeah, he's in prison and they're all in prison and he's really shocked by this he's shocked at the guys and the doctor and they kind of said we've done this before you know and he it's almost like i don't really know how it's happening but he can't accept that they've gone to jail so his mind is just creating this fake world basically and one of the clues is they say look like they mention like the sun sunrise and sunset but in your little in your little um, countryside that you're seeing, why is the sun always on the same side? It's not moving. Because it's not the sun. Yeah, <laughs> because it's not real. <laughs> and that's part one, right? Yes. And we go with part two. Oh, did I miss anything important or we can move on? No, I think that not just... Thomas realizing what is happening. Maybe to mention that they're keeping the dead man for six days because they're taking the food of the dead man. Yes, that's why the jailer's annoyed that it's been there. They're they're getting an extra portion of food. Because they're Um, starving. Yeah. And Thomas, you know, he doesn't realize that he's been dead, but I... He wants to like complain to the foundation and things. He still has this idea that there's this foundation, but it's this they're just in jail. But it's brilliant. I mean, it, I don't want to overstate this, but it's so excellently done. Like I was shocked when I realized the guy's already been dead. What's going on? And my mind was telling me something wasn't quite right, 
but I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I'm thinking, it's almost like a jail, but but I was told that it's this nice little apartment kind of, and I'm just really confused in my mind. And like, why is he called like encargado? Like, is he in charge of something, but not the jail? And I'm trying to think in my mind, like, is he just the, the supervisor of the dormitory? Like, what is that? No, no, they're just, in, yeah, just, you have to accept it the way Thomas has to accept it. Like, no, they are just in jail. That's it. <laughs> I'm trying to fight it, but I can't. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant play. So shall we move on to part two? Yep. So this is where everything, this is the moment that everything changes, right? And he starts to see the place for what it really is. And he really, now that they've said, you know where you are, you're in jail, all of a sudden, everything transforms, you know, there's bars in the windows, there's the metal doors and everything like that. This cute little dormitory or, or apartment that he's imagined is gone and they're and it's like, oh how come the beds are secured to the wall and the floor and all this kind of thing you know do you know do you remember that the last thing that he realized that is not real is the bathroom yes <laughs> doing the play he's thinking there's a bathroom in the room but it's not so he goes, so this is interesting because Berta goes to speak to him and then hides in the bathroom. So they mentioned that he, was there a bathroom at all? Or where was she? Like, they mentioned that he thought they were hiding behind a curtain, but they weren't. There's just a toilet in the room, right? There's just a toilet. And Thomas is thinking that there's a, a curtain there. Yeah. So the, at the beginning is a wall bathroom with the walls and everything. There is like a <laughs> kind of was with a curtain at the end it's a curtain and in the last pages he realized that there's no bathroom yeah it's it's so well done that it's it's incredible that you your mind goes with thomas i i love it it's actually one of my favorite plays now it's spectacular and i've recommended it to pj (laughs) (laughs) okay so the first part of this scene is just them him realizing like, oh, this is very hard iron and this kind of stuff. And just, you know, the lights aren't the way he thought they were. And it's all different, essentially. So it's just him realizing um, what's going on in the opening parts. What do we think about the other characters before we go any further? Like, were there ones that you liked or ones that you didn't like? Whoa. I still like Assel. I think he's a good chap and he tries to be really empathetic to Thomas. Yes, in fact, Tulio says the same. He tells Asel that you're a good man. You're protecting Thomas. Yeah. Max is a strange character because you like at the beginning, but you hate him at the end. Yes. Alina is kind of the same, but the opposite. You hate at the beginning... At the beginning, I didn't like Lino. He seems really, he's not really being super friendly, you know, like the others. And you think, why have you got this one friend that's not very nice? But I guess he just couldn't put up with the nonsense, right? Yes. The same as, as Tulio. That and Tulio as well, yeah. At the beginning, he don't want to to do the, this kind of play. Yeah. And Thomas is really surprised. He says, when I looked outside, I didn't see, you know... 
I, I saw other doors the same as ours. And he's really confused. Like, why am I just seeing all these other doors? And he, he has these moments where he's relapsing a little bit and he's not like, he now he's figured out it's a prison, but he's still shocked that they've got other prison rooms. Like he's, his mind's kind of fighting itself a little bit when to, to maintain the delusion. But one of the big themes is Berta. Did she really come? Because he's, he's admitting that he saw her. And they're saying that this can't have happened. Berta came, but she wasn't inside the foundation of the prison. Just came to visit. And yeah. Was. And at the beginning, we have Berta as a, another student. Just really smart. But at the end, we see a Berta that is unemployed. No one wants to employ her. She's dressing with really poor clothes. Yeah. So, but that's part of his illusion, right? But they talk about other people visiting. Uh, the parents, was it Max's parents are always visiting? Or his mom is visiting? Or that's at least what he's uh, that's telling what them? He... And which one is it now? Is it Tulio? Which one figures out that something strange about Max? Lino. It's Lino. Has disappeared. Right. Yes. So tell us what happens to Tulio first. Well, um, they're in prison, and around the forties in Spain. That's more or less the context. So, um, uh, I don't know how to say the word. Um, they condemn to death. Yeah. So they take him downstairs to bring all your things with you. He's we not don't coming know back. Because we don't know if he's going to another room or if he's going to the to the wall. <laughs> Al paredón, we say. Right. Yeah. He's going to and we that's we I guess we don't really see him again. He's he's gone. No, we don't see him again and we don't know what happened with him. So because it's Lino who suspects Max. Max, what happened with him? At the beginning, it seems like he's maybe the most relaxed guy. Yeah, there. he's very chill because he's a spy. <laughs> but we discover at the end. He is going to get nice food and chat with the guards and things. But actually, um, and Lino sees him one time and he's saying no I was seeing my mother and then Lena said well that can't be right and they, they hold him and they smell his breath and they smell wine at one point and even Thomas smells it so that's part of that but but Lino wants to dig a tunnel or something doesn't he want to try to escape does he want to do something yeah. weird um, Asel has a plan uh, well they're uh, political prisoners mm-hmm. it's important to say because it's not the same as you kill someone or whatever because most of the people most of the people of the prison is a political prisoner so they act in group yeah they help each other and Asel has a plan that they have to go to a different uh room in which they could escape with the help of another prisoners so Max realized that something is happening with um, Asel and he has a plan. 
Max just to the uh, guards, and that's why they don't go to to these uh, rooms. At the end, the guards um, come to take Asel to talk with him. Asel knows that he he's not going to um, keep the the calm there. Mm-hmm. So he decides to commit a suicide. And Lino, as he's really mad with this situation, just threw Max to the balcony. And they both there. Yeah, so I got a little bit confused around this point about who was killing who and who was causing what, um, because it turns into a bit of an action movie for a few minutes. Um, but yeah, that's what happens. One thing I want to go back to a little bit is the second visit of Berta. Um, she's like in the bed with Thomas or he thinks, right? And he's telling them that she's here, but she's just gone to the bathroom real quick. But there is no bathroom, of course. And they're like, you must have known we weren't asleep after he just got taken. Like, we, we wouldn't have been asleep. You know, I think this is right after Tulio gets taken. Um, and Max yes. is like, well, I thought you were all asleep. So I told my girlfriend to like come in and, you know, like cuddle or whatever in bed. So he's he's having these moments where he's relapsing in. And I I, I want to side him so much. And I'm like, maybe he's real. Like maybe Bird is there. And I'm imagining these things. And I'm like, how can this work? OK, maybe Berta works in the prison and she's going to help him escape. And she wants to come and cuddle him in bed. And I'm trying to like add these details that that make it work. But no. <laughs> She's not real. <laughs> it was very sad. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's Asel who says that um, these things, these illusions are kind of normal because everyone misses this kind of intimacy with their partner. Yeah, maybe to some extent they are normal um, in, in the prison, you know. And then they try to explain to Thomas that actually they're all condemned to death, which he, he seems to find shocking. Um, so he's accepted they're in prison, but I think he hasn't accepted the severity of it, you know, and then being condemned to death is like an, an extra shock on top of that. They're not just, you know, in for a few months for, a, you know, stealing from the shop or something like they're political prisoners who are all going to be put to death one by one. And they don't really know why they're not hearing much news from the guards initially, why they're being left alone, you know, so as, as you said. Just put in that situation, if you know you're condemned to death. Well, it's really hard to think about it, that you don't know in which moment they're going to kill you. That's yeah. more or less the Thomas situation. Yeah, and Asal wants to do his tunnel, and, and Thomas says, this isn't a tunnel, this is hell. We're going in here, we're not going to be able to turn around, we're going to have no food, no air, no water. We're... Again, it's like, well, the tunnel would help you escape, but he... Still doesn't realize how bad the room is, maybe. And he's still thinking, like, oh, we're in a nice room with, like, beds and plenty of food and water. Why would we go into this, like, dark tunnel, you know? Like, he's still not quite realizing how bad they have it. And now and again, he'll kind of mention, but how can the foundation allow this? It's like, no, remember, we talked about this. We're in jail, you know? Like, he he just doesn't always remember, you know? <laughs> so it just... I'm, I'm making it sound funny, but it's not really funny. It's sad. It is. To be honest, it's sad and it's shocking. <laughs> and you really, really empathize. 
with Max. I'm uh, sorry, with Thomas. Um, but look, we're losing them one by one, right? So we've we've lost Max, we've lost Lino, we've lost Tulio. No, yeah. we've lost Asel. Sorry, which one is left? Lino is left, right? Uh, Lino and Thomas. And Thomas, of course, yeah. yeah. That we don't know what what is going to happen with them because they call them, but we don't know where they're going. The same as them. The the end of the the play. I think it's so beautiful how how it ends when um, Asel commits suicide. That they have the idea of how they're going to escape. And it's in the moment in which Thomas realized what is happening, where they are, and what happened in the past, why they are there. So I think it's really beautiful seeing how Thomas and Lino just plan that they, are, they don't care what is going to happen. Maybe they're going to die, maybe not. But yeah. they accept the situation. And we don't know, right? We don't know. The last thing we see is the jailer come back in with a new group of people to take the room. <laughs> and it'll start again. I was a little bit frustrated by the ending um, because I think maybe just, I don't know, I was maybe struggling with the Spanish because I was understanding throughout, but then at the end I got a little bit confused it's like, well, which one has died? Has Asel's died? And who's doing this? And suddenly we're losing, like, several people. And I'm a little bit confused about what's happening with them. Uh, and now we've only got two left. And now I don't know if they're alive or dead. And, and it, well, it doesn't explicitly say. But I don't know, maybe I would have liked a bit more certainty around the ending. It just seems like a lot of things happen very quickly. And they're running around and the guys have got their guns. And he's saying not, not to shoot him. And it's getting a little bit confusing, you know. Um, but one of the most important things is, Astel says to Thomas before he goes, is that your your countryside that you're seeing is real. Like keep that in your head. That's that's the thing that's gonna like give you hope. That's important. And and one by one we lose these these guys. And as I say, we end with a new new batch of prisoners coming into the room. That's us. Bruno um, Vallejo likes to do this, like end the the play as as a will. So as a cycle, the end at the yes. beginning. It, it's this, so he does this always, does he? He normally does. For example, in another book called The Story of Aster, he does the same. We would like to do that one sometime because that's a play that PJ and Alex both really, really like. I read, but I don't remember really well. And I think they saw it performed in... Japan in Japanese, which is really weird. <laughs> well, but to understand the, this book, you have to understand the context of the author. It's really important to know about mm-hmm. his story because he was in prison for being a he was a political prisoner. He was a political prisoner himself. Yeah, yeah. due to the Spanish Civil War. He met, I told you, he met uh, Miguel Hernández in prison. Yes. And he was condemned to death. So it's more or less the same situation. And we're they, uh, talking about uh, changing the, the penalty to a, to a different one. is the same as he lived. Mm-hmm. He was condemned to death. They changed it. They, 
there's yeah. a word transmute the sentence or yeah you, you basically you, you change it to just like life in prison and then whatever yeah yeah he was changed to stay during his whole life in prison and at the end they the end of the 40s he was put in mm-hmm. so it's more or less his his life and don't know but i see a lot of uh, stuff that happened happened in that moment in this book and this is before or after the staircase after right at the beginning he was a painter a painter and after the prison he started to write he received a lot of awards a lot of books a lot of plays because he wrote plays uh has some kind of awards some of them has a lot Mm. okay so interesting. Learning well, like- I'm just going to sum it up. Like, I recommend the play to anyone. I The twist really... I, I don't want to say I didn't expect it because I knew something wasn't right, you know? But I didn't want to accept it, just like Thomas. So I think it's the way it's written is spectacular. And um, I don't know how I feel about it. Like I want to say it's one of my favorite plays, but I also love something like when we did the Lorca plays. They're short, they're simple a little bit more romantic. And I feel like I really feel a connection to that kind of play as well. This is completely different. Uh, and in, in a way, maybe you can say it's better because it's more dramatic or it's more emotional or, or it has these these kind of twists. Um, I think I like both styles, you know, to be honest. This is like a philosophy style. Yeah. Because it you is. have to think about life and the situation and everything. So I would say it's like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's us. What are we doing next time? We might do the staircase, maybe. We'll, we'll do it all together with everyone. Maybe. Or Requiem por un campesino español. Okay. We can, we can do that. We can do that. We're going to do that. Okay. You, th- <laughs> you have a premonition that we're doing that one. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, too. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free warbyparker.com slash covered.